Angela, we're always making lists of the places we want to go, and I've got another one for you. Williamsburg, Virginia. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, an outdoor enthusiast, a thrill seeker, a history buff, or just friends looking for a good happy hour, you'll find what you came for. There is lots of good food and drink to be found in Williamsburg. There's contemporary cuisine. There's local craft breweries. I heard there's a winery. Wineries, yes. You could go for a girls' weekend, a romantic couples' trip, or a family vacation. So for your next vacation, visit Williamsburg. Love starts with you. You heard me. Show off your personal style with new Pandora jewelry pieces that set a shining example for the world to see. From big feelings to small messages, beautiful hand-finished jewelry from Pandora radiates with your love from every angle. Pandora has a huge selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms. There are endless ways to show what's in your heart. Shop now at Pandora.net. Pandora. Be love. I'm Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office Rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. Hello. Hi there. Are you excited to go to a super cringy fundraiser today? I am. I'm going to get my best little hairdo going. Oh, I have fan (laughs) questions about your hairdo, Angela. Save it. Okay. We have a lot to discuss. Today is Season 8, Episode 22. It was written by Owen Ellickson and directed by Dave Rogers. Here's your summary. The Dunder Mifflin group is concerned when newly unemployed Andy displays some questionable behavior, both in the Dunder Mifflin parking lot and later at an animal welfare fundraiser hosted by the senator. Mm -hmm. Also at the fundraiser, Oscar becomes convinced that the senator is hitting on him, Dwight misunderstands the rules of a silent auction, and Andy adopts 12 senior dogs. Andy, Andy, Andy. As someone who has worked in animal rescue, I can tell you that one needy animal, one animal that needs medications and ointments and salves is enough. You don't need 12. That's a hard job. I mean, Aaron says, this is my life now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fast fact number one, Angela. You know how much I love when you do fast fact number three, and today you are doing fast fact number one. I am. Okay, for those of you guys that have the DVD box set, we are now on disc five. And let me tell you, there's some special features. First of all, Fundraiser has an extended producer's cut, but there is also, under the bonus section, a 19-minute blooper reel. I watched the whole 19 minutes. It was a joy. I mean, if you need a laugh, watch a 19-minute blooper reel. I love our blooper reels. They're my favorite thing. Me too. They just take me back right away. We talk about this all the time, that we went to work and tried not to laugh all day. Mm -hmm. What a blessing. Yes. Okay. It also has the webisode series, The Girl Next Door. And apparently, NBC was hosting Super Bowl Forty Six. Oh, Yeah. And we did a bunch of promos, like a lot. And they're all on there. To remind you guys, Super Bowl 46 was the New York Jets versus New England Patriots. 
The Jets won 21-17. Kelly Clarkson sang the national anthem, and Madonna was the big halftime show. Well, I remember these promos. We did one promo with all of the NBC shows, and it was based on a musical number from How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And it kicked off with 30 Rock, Mm -hmm. and then our cast sang part of it. It was do, 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 do. Do, do, what's this song? Do, 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 <laughs> of men. Yes, yes. And da, ba, ba, da, 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 I, da, 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 You know da, I'm horrible at this, right? Like, like if I had to go on a game show and really lose badly, it would be like, guess the tune. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just like, but I don't know. I can't, in the company of men. Yes. Maybe? I'm going to say yes to everything. Okay. <laughs> but it was huge. It was choreographed and we're lip syncing and it's so charming. And it was big. The full promo with all of the NBC people doing it was like, oh my gosh, six minutes? It was long. It was very long. It's so fun to watch. It is not on this DVD. Oh, never (laughs) mind, everyone. Google it. (laughs) It is out there. Here are the Super Bowl promos on this DVD. First, there's a commercial where Kevin is really excited about the Super Bowl commercials. And then Robert, California, pitches his idea for the perfect Super Bowl commercial. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm scared. Yeah, you should be. (laughs) It would feature a woman in her late 60s, and everywhere she goes, men fall to their knees, crippled with lust. She sees the camera while grocery shopping and drops her basket and looks right at the camera and says, this was all part of your plan, wasn't it, Robert? And then Kevin says, wait, how can you do that? How can you make the commercial different for every single person? And Robert goes, I don't know. I don't watch television. That's weird. I know. (laughs) This this was made. Yes. It's on the DVD. It's on the DVD. Okay. The next promo was called Fans, and it's Andy and Aaron just saying right to camera, you guys are going to the Super Bowl. That must be so exciting. And they're very cute and charming. Then there's one called Museums, and it's John and Rain as themselves. But they're dressed in character, and they're on set. And Rain is telling everyone what museums they should go to instead of going to the game. Kind of like in hopes to get their tickets. Got it. It was very cute. There's one called Post Game, where Ed is dressed as Andy, and he's sitting in the manager's office, and he's encouraging everyone to stick around after the Super Bowl to watch the Post Game celebration. Okay. NBC really wanted people to stick around. Oh, that's why they always fight over who gets to air the Super Bowl. I mean— First of all, obviously, the ad revenue. Right, right. But afterwards, they would use the Super Bowl to, like, launch new shows or highlight shows that they really were excited about. Yeah. Stick around after the Super Bowl. Yeah. They say it all the time. And then my favorite one was called Dip. And Kevin is going to share his perfect Super Bowl dip recipe. You need to hear it. Brotherhood of Man. Yes. That's the name of the song. There you go. In honor of the Super Bowl... I have made 46-layer dip. Refried beans, ground beef, super salsa, bacon, graham cracker, bacon, seven-layer dip, but all in one layer, garden burger, turkey burger, beef burger, grilled cheese sandwiches. Kevin, I need that report by five. Oh, now I have to start over, Andy. Gosh. Refried beans, ground beef, super salsa, Everything was working for me, but the graham cracker was... That really threw uh, you. Yeah, that threw me off. There is an actual giant 
tub of this stuff, and he's pointing to each layer. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to put a picture of it in stories. Okay, please. It looks disgusting. (laughs) And those are the bonus features on the last disc of season eight. That was a very good report, Angela. I enjoyed it very much. Okay, well, thank you. Let's move on to fast fact number two. One of the storylines in this week's episode was inspired by a true story. Yes. So, you know, at the charity event, they have a silent auction, Mm -hmm. but Dwight thinks this is a guess the price game and that you win the prize if you guess the correct price. Yeah. Well, this happened to our writer, Halstead Sullivan's sister, in real life. (laughs) I cannot believe that. It's so crazy. Tell the story. So, he was working at the office at the time, and his sister called him on the phone and was like, Halstead, I won this expensive Italian sofa at this event last night. It's worth $17,000, and I guessed the price exactly, and I won. Oh, my gosh. And he was like, that's amazing. Congratulations. But then, cut to a few days later, she called him to say that the charity sent her a really weird letter asking her to pay for the sofa. (laughs) And he said, fax me the letter. When Halstead was retelling the story, he said, old tech alert, yes, she faxed me the letter (laughs) from the charity. And he looked it over, and he had to explain to her that it was not a guess the price. It was a silent auction, and that her bid for the sofa was $17,000, and they wanted to collect. Oh, my gosh. He said she panicked. Well, yeah. (laughs) He also said in her defense— There was an Italian man with an accent who had explained the rules to her, and perhaps something got lost in translation, but she called the charity, she explained the mistake, and they did not make her pay $17,000. Halstead said he recognized the sofa she bid on. It was a Desedi sofa? Desed? D-E-S-E-D-E. It is an Italian sofa, which is basically the Birkin bag of sofas. $17,000 is actually a bargain. I can't even wrap my head around that number. That's a car. Yeah. That's like you're sitting on a car. Well, Halstead said he only recognized it because before they wrote on The Office, he and Warren had written for a show produced by Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, and they had one of these sofas. Oh, It was written up in, like, you know, one of those profiles they do of celebrity homes. And I looked at the website. Most of these sofas go for around $40,000. Wow. And I'm very sorry, Desede or Desed Sofa Company, but they are ugly. I'm just going to say it. They are— Will you send me a picture of one? Yes. I mean, do you want to see it? Yeah. Are they comfortable? They can't be $40,000 comfortable. They don't. Nothing is $40,000 comfortable. Like, if you take the most comfortable $1,500 couch, it is not, this special sofa is not 40 times more comfortable than it. You know what? We have a couch from Ikea that Josh put together himself. And when he said, I'm going to put it together, I thought maybe it comes in four pieces. You screw on the legs. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Uh-huh. No, Jenna. There's a there's a box that's just the stuffing. Then then you, you got to, like, stuff it. And you got to, like, you literally build a couch. And I thought, wow, this we're getting such a deal on this sectional. It's because you build the whole damn thing. 
Yes, there's no, well, they don't charge you for any labor because you are the labor. It it took a whole day. <laughs> but is it comfortable? Yes. Right. Now oh. I just, here's the website. Oh, no. Right? This is, this is ridiculous. One of their things is that understand. they make like a snake sofa. It doesn't look like a snake, but you can, I guess, make it into an S shape. I'll or tell you. It's a giant C. Like, it's very... It's a it's curvy. Like a, it looks like a curved spine for those yes. of you listening. Spiny. It looks very it spiny. It looks like a spine. And yeah, so it looks like like if you took an x-ray of your back, but and turned it into, <laughs> turned a, it leather into sofa. A, a leather sofa. But then the way the cushions look, it looks like if you chopped a recliner in three pieces mm-hmm. and then you just put them all in a row. Tons of mini like spine recliners. Today's podcast is sponsored by Desede Sofas. <laughs> it is definitely not. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Desede. Or Desede. Oh, we don't know. We're what, saying it wrong. We don't know. We don't know. What we know is that we won't be purchasing one of your sofas for so many reasons. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I love that this Dwight storyline was inspired by a true life event in Halstead's life. It was really funny, too. Yeah. He was so happy. He was getting everything right. <laughs> I really liked it. Should we move on to fast fact number three? Yes, because it's so special. We love this letter that we got from Alicia H. in Minong, Wisconsin. She wrote to us because this is the fundraiser episode. Yeah. And she is having a fundraiser for her local library. Alicia said the building that the library is housed in was put up for sale last summer, and the community is working really hard to save the library. She said most of the families that the library serves are below the poverty line, and the library has so many wonderful programs. Her own four kids beg her to go all the time. It's like their second home. And she said that she would really like us to help support the library. She will even buy us tacos. Well, Alicia, we loved your letter. We loved learning about your local library, which is 100% run by volunteers. Yes. If you go to their website, you can learn so much about what this library does for its community. It's a small community. And for those of you that live in small towns, you know that the library can be such a wonderful place to go with your kids. And you have access to things you might not be able to have at home or afford. Very well said, Angela. Well, Alicia, each year... Office Ladies does some annual giving, and we are adding your library to our list this year. We're going to make a donation. Yep. We're also going to send you a signed copy of the Office BFFs and the Actor's Life for the library. Love it. And speaking of our annual giving, Mm -hmm. this year we are also giving to Black Girls Code, AMSCI, and Lydia Haiti. Lydia Haiti is the organization that Rain Wilson and his wife Holiday Reinhorn started and you recently went to a fundraiser with Steve Carell for Lydia Haiti that was hosted by Rain, right? We did. It was really fun. Rain put together sort of this quote unquote dinner party. Ha, Amazing. Ha, 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 right? And Steve and I went along with a lot of people that made donations to Lydia and the people that work at Lydia. And we got to hear about everything they're doing in Haiti. It's really an amazing organization. Rain has such a big heart for service. He and his wife, Holly, do so much. And I'm going to put a link to their website Mm -hmm. in our stories. But Lydia is a nonprofit, and what they're trying to do is empower adolescent Haitian girls through programs in the arts, education, and health. I think we should post links to all the organizations we spoke about today so that people can see the amazing things that these groups are doing. I love that. 
Well, that's all I got, lady. Should we take a break? I think we should, because when we come back, I have a little something from my digital clutter. I love digital clutter. (sighs) Someday I'm going to clean out my inbox. I am. Please don't. (laughs) We'll be right back. So this winter, we went on a little ski trip with another family, and we got an Airbnb, which was so wonderful, right? Because you can make your own breakfast in the morning. We could even go there for lunch to warm up. Listen, I always want a kitchen with kids. Yep. I don't want to call room service for some sliced apples. I want to have my groceries. I need a kitchen. Yes. Well, this is why doing the Airbnb thing was so perfect. Yep. Well, this family we were staying with told us that they listed their house on Airbnb back in California. Oh, that's so smart. I know a lot of people that do this. It's like, oh, we want to go to Disneyland. We can Airbnb our place and then use that money to go. It pays for your trip. Yep. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed to connect with candidates faster by scheduling, screening, and messaging. And Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 23 hires were made on Indeed every minute, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies. Just go to Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you travel, do you ever think like, oh, no, I hope I locked up. Did I leave a window open? Things like that. Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe home security today. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System in 2024 by the U.S. News and World Report. And Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. Well, you all have heard me talk about Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need to fit your living space. You know, I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash office ladies. That's simplysafe.com slash office ladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We are back, and I have an email for you all that came on Saturday, March 31st, 2012, at 3.13 p.m. Who'd it come from? Dave Rogers, to the entire cast of The Office. The subject was, wow, exclamation point. Here's what it said. I just finished my editor's assembly of fundraiser, and I am thrilled with how it turned out. So many great laugh-out-loud moments from everybody. We have made some truly great episodes this season and have seriously kicked ass with our Florida arc. 
What an incredible run with Tallahassee, After Hours, Test the Store, Last Day in Florida, and Get the Girl, soon to be joined by the hysterical welcome party, Angry Andy, and Turf War. Gotta go. Free Family Portrait Studio isn't going to edit itself. David. I have to tell you, in all my years of working on things since the office, this doesn't happen. You don't get letters from like your editor this. or your director even. Yeah. Like I don't get letters just saying, "Guess what? It's great. You're great. This is so fun. You're doing a good thing. Way to go, team." Yeah. We got this kind of stuff on this show. It yeah. was so sweet. And everyone responded back. Mindy was the first one that responded back. She wrote, "I love you, Dave." <laughs> and everybody was like, "Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Yay. Can't wait to see, you know." That's so sweet. Yeah. And this is why I don't delete any of my emails. (laughs) Are you ready for this cold open? I think so. Well, Ryan is pacing back and forth. He is going, no, 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 no. By the way, he's not saying this in his office, Mm -hmm. his closet office. He's not pacing in the kitchen. He's come into the bullpen to pace back and forth until someone notices. Yes. Pam finally gives in and asks him, what is bothering you, Ryan? Mm -hmm. Something seems to be bothering you. And it turns out that he is very, very upset that Smokey Robinson has died, and he didn't get a chance to see him in concert before he died. People are sad. You know, Jim's like, oh, I liked him. And Ryan's like, you liked him? Because apparently Smokey's biggest fan is Ryan. That's right. No one else can even compare to, like, how much he loved Smokey. Well, Pam is a little suspicious, right? She always has Ryan's number. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of like, we've never heard you talk about this before, ever. Like, Uh -uh. this is a a first. And suddenly, Oscar from Over in Accounting says, guys, it's a hoax. Yeah. He's not dead. He's alive. And he's got a concert coming up. Ryan, you should go, everyone says. Well, it's really Pam. (laughs) It's really Pam. (laughs) Pam is like, you have to go. Jim's like, tickets are 250 bucks. Pam's like, $250 is nothing to the world's biggest Smokey Robinson fan. Mm-hmm. And Ryan's like, well, who's opening? Jim says, Paul Anka. And Ryan's like, oh, what? No, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, this is my favorite version of Pam, I think. <laughs> when she takes on Ryan? Yes. Now that we have been re-watching now for years, my favorite version of Pam is when she just looks at him and just calls him out. I loved how she was like, name another song. Name one other song of his. And he's like, he can't. Well, I looked up Smokey Robinson. Mm -hmm. He has been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. He's been inducted. And he's written more than 4,000 songs. Wow. So the fact that Ryan can't name a second song is pretty bad. Smokey Robinson is 83 years old, and he is still performing live, and you can find his tour dates at SmokeyRobinson.com, and he's got shows coming up in Atlantic City, Providence, Rhode Island, and Nashville, Tennessee. Go Smokey Robinson. Ryan can still go. Yes, Ryan, go. You're his biggest fan. The episode starts with Robert California arriving in a dark brown suit and tie. He looks like really put together. Mm Mm-hmm. The suit looks great, but he says he really hates wearing ties. He feels like he's in one of those erotic, what's it called? Asphyxiation Thank clubs. you. Yes. Yeah. And he mentions a few off of Interstate 84. Mm-hmm. I looked them up. They're not real. I looked them up, too. I couldn't find them. I was glad I didn't. I don't know how I ended up here, but I did find out that there's quite a few swingers clubs. 
in Scranton? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> How's that uh, work? I don't know. Okay. Um, it says most clubs offered by Pennsylvania Swingers are for members only. However, couples and singles can get this membership as well. How um, does a single join a swingers club? I don't know. The closest club I found to Scranton is in Bloomsburg. An erotic ecstasy. Ex- no, no, it's a swingers club. Oh. I went to look for these clubs and I ended up on a Scranton swingers website. Oh. And now if you want to swing, you have to go where? Bloomsburg. Bloomsburg. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Well, that was an interesting yeah. Google journey for you. Oh, yes, it was. Also, BYOB. Just <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. What? It's, so it's a room, basically. I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I didn't look any further. It's a basement. Okay. 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 Angela is going to have a talking head where she says... Here's what's going on. The senator is hosting a fundraiser for local dog shelters mm-hmm. tonight, and Robert California bought two tables Yeah, and invited the whole office staff. And you know what? They were lucky to get seats because it's going to be a who's who of the Northern 22nd District. Yeah. And Angela's going to do her hair. Oh, she's going to get her it. hair did. Dwight bursts into the bullpen. He doesn't want to alarm everyone, but there's a good chance that someone's going to get hurt today. Yeah, because there's a disgruntled former employee sitting in their car in the parking lot. Guess who it is? It's Andy. It's Andy. Guys, Andy cannot let go of Dunder Mifflin. He's become the lurker. Mm-hmm. You know, during this scene, I noticed the little candy dispenser on my desk. Yeah. It's the one that used to be at reception, and we decided that for whatever reason, Pam would move it to her desk. This is why Aaron has to put out candy in a glass bowl. Yeah. So this little candy dispenser, I saw what was in it. What? Red Hots. Oh. And I know why there were Red Hots in it. Because I would eat all the other candies. But you wouldn't eat the Red Hots. I wouldn't eat the Red Hots. So I said, Phil, I need you to put something in this container that I don't eat all day. Because I was getting tummy aches. It was too much sugar. Yeah. So he said, what won't you eat? And I said, I won't eat Mike and Ike's and I won't eat Red Hots. So he put Red Hots in there. So if you ever see Mike and Ike's or Red Hots in my candy dispenser, it was per my request because I was needing to stop my candy eating. Well, I noticed that your fingernail polish is the exact same color as your coffee mug. It's kind of a pinky purple in this episode. I don't know why I was allowed to do that, but it matches my dress for the fundraiser very well. Mm -hmm. Aaron and Angela, Pam, Kevin, and Jim are all now going to go to the parking lot. They're going to check in on Andy. Like, what's he doing? He's sitting in his car. What's happening? Mm -hmm. Aaron is filming him. She said, hey, can we just film you saying that you're fine and everything's normal? Because they're worried he might hurt Robert. He says, guys, I am fine. I'm just picking up Aaron for the fundraiser tonight. Kevin is the one that's like, that's going to be weird. Mm -hmm. Like, Kevin's the one that clocks in on this? I was like, what? Kevin is the voice of reason through this entire episode. I know. It's a wonderful turn. Well, Brian could not get through this scene. He kept getting tickled. It's in the bloopers that I watched all 19 minutes of, and I want you to hear it. I'm picking up Aaron. We're going to the fundraiser. Oh, Oh, great. great. That sounds good. Wait, what? You're going to the fundraiser tonight? That's going to be weird. Why would that be weird? Yeah, Kevin, come on. It's going to be fine. It's not weird at all. Um, am I the only... Am I... Uh, <laughs> ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not weird at all. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. It's John. It's John and Brian. Yeah, John is messing with him. Brian was trying so hard, if you watch it, to say the line. So he's trying to kind of laugh through it like, um, uh, but he couldn't do it. Now we go upstairs to Nellie's office. Daryl is going to enter and ask her to sign off on a shipment that's going to go out soon. Nellie's going to ask Daryl how everything's going in the warehouse. And he says, well, you know what? You can go downstairs and check it out for yourself. And she's like, oh, it's downstairs. She doesn't know where it is. Did you notice Nellie's desk chair by any chance? No. It's like this taupey cream color. It's like a faux leather. It's very nice. It is not the chair that Steve sat in or Ed sat in or Creed. Anyone. Yeah. It's this new chair. I became sort of obsessed with it. I wanted to know how did this happen? Where did this chair come from? When did it come from? And I fully mom detectived it. I don't have a great answer, but I spent a good deal of time on it. That is mom detectives. That is. We rarely solve our crimes. Well, or our mysteries, I should say. Isn't our slogan solving crimes no one cares about? Or sort of solving crimes that no one cares about. So not necessarily a crime, but a mystery. Where did this chair come from? So I went back and I looked to see when did it appear. In Get the Girl, it's the old chair. We don't see her chair in Welcome Party, but then the new chair is there, starting with Angry Andy. So I think we can safely say that this new chair came during Welcome Party when Dwight and Jim went to her house to unpack her things that had Mm. been delivered I think that there is something that happened off camera where they brought this new office chair into the office. So you think she had the fancy office chair in her apartment? Yes. I think it was delivered with her other furniture, and then she moved it in because starting with Angry Andy, she's really taken over his office, and I think she brought in her new chair. Okay. Is it a Desede chair? Yeah. It could be. It doesn't look ugly enough, in my opinion. Oh, my gosh. You are really, you're really laying it out there. Why, do I, why am I so mean to this luxury Italian couch? Um, something about it. It just, just really um, bumped you. It bothers me. I don't know. It should be the most beautiful couch I've ever seen, in my opinion. It um, should be able to drive. Yes, exactly. What does the couch do? Hit a button do? and the wheels come out and you take it down the road. Nellie is now going to have a talking head where she says, tonight could be the night she and Daryl become good friends. The only thing in their way is the contempt he feels for her. So I was wondering, why is it important for Nellie to become friends with Daryl? And I realized that this is setting up a storyline that's going to pay off in a few episodes where you realize that Nellie really doesn't have any friends since she moved to Scranton. Yeah. And this is kind of important to her. I liked this. I liked that we're planting the seed with this storyline here. Yeah. She wants a friend in the office. Yes. The fundraiser is now underway. We're going to see Angela in her outfit. Mm-hmm. She's very much wanting to play the part of the senator's wife here. Robert California walks up and is interrupted by Andy. And, lady, I just wanted you to know this little introduction when Robert walks up and Angela greets him and is like, the senator and I just wanted to say, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. she's doing like that. That was all improvised. Oh. All it said in the script is that everyone says, hi, good to see you. Oh. 
Well, well done. I liked it. I was so delighted by this episode. I just love it when Angela Martin thinks she's fancy and is trying to be fancy. Mm -hmm. And every single moment, I just wanted to find some little nugget of something to do to show how high the stakes were for her to be the senator's wife at this event. Well, speaking of fancy, fan question from Katie Joe B. in Indiana. Hi, Katie Joe. Angela, how did you feel about your zhuzhed hairdo at the fundraiser? Did you have an extensive hair meeting like Jenna would have? Did you love getting to smile so much in this episode? <laughs> you know, it was nice to smile. There is one scene, I will tell you, Katie, where I didn't get to smile. It got deleted, but we did shoot it where I completely lose it because Andy is ruining my event. Oh. Yes. I go to the center and I'm like, he's ruining it. And I'm just like upset. But for the most part, I got to smile this whole week, which was lovely. And we did have a very extensive hair meeting. I remember the vision they wanted is that Angela Martin wants to be like Jackie Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. She wants that sort of bouffant hair that flipped out at the end, you know? So yeah, that was our whole look. I love that. You guys had a story behind the hairdo. Yes. And this is the second time that Angela Martin has tried to look like Jackie Kennedy. You remember? She wore mm -hmm. the pillbox hat yes. and the blue suit to Phyllis's wedding. Something that's interesting to me is, would Angela support the Kennedy politics or it's just the fashion? <laughs> that I'm not sure about. It's an interesting choice of role model. I'm surprised that she doesn't fashion herself after Nancy Reagan. Well, you know, she was Nancy Reagan for Halloween. This is true. I think she just wants to be a politician's wife. Yes, she doesn't care she doesn't the political care. affiliation. That's right. She just, if you have a good suit or a nice hat, she's going to try it out. I've got a location breakdown for this banquet hall. We mm -hmm. got a fan question from Haley in Austin, Texas, asking, where were the fundraiser scenes shot? At five minutes and three seconds, there's a shot of the outside of the building. Is that also the actual building that the scenes were shot in? These are very savvy questions. This is a longtime listener. Mm -hmm. Haley knows that yeah, it could be different do. places. That's right. I asked Steve Burgess about this. He said, we shot the ballroom fundraiser scenes at the Warner Center Marriott in Woodland Hills. We were there for two days. Steve said that he remembers sending a camera crew outside one night to get an establishing shot, but he couldn't find it anywhere on his schedule. So it is very possible that we used like a stock footage shot of a hotel. Mm -hmm. So he's not totally sure, but we did go on location to shoot the fundraiser banquet scenes. But either way, Steve Burgess said that the banner on the outside of the building, that was added in post. We did not actually hang a banner on a building. Andy is now going to have a talking head. He says, you know what? Where do I look? You know, it's been so long since I've done one of these interviews. Yeah. Yeah. How am I doing? I'm doing great. Red flag. I mean, there's so many red flags. Yeah. Well, just wait. There's going to be a flag flurry coming up. A flag flurry. <laughs> Kevin and Creed are going to check out the auction table. And that's when Dwight is going to come up and tell them that they're doing it all wrong, that they're idiots. Yeah. They haven't guessed the correct price of anything. Mm -hmm. And Kevin tries to correct Dwight, but Dwight is just taking over. He's just writing down a bunch of amounts, and Kevin's like, okay, fine. 
Kevin has a talking head where he says Dwight doesn't understand what a silent auction is, which means he's the stupid guy in the office. Up till now, they didn't have one. Can I tell you, that was not the scripted talking head. It wasn't? It wasn't. That was the candy bag alt. The scripted talking head was this. Huh, I know more than Dwight. You know what they say, even a clock is right once a day. Oh, and they went with the candy Which bag Which is alt. very funny because the saying is that a clock is right twice a day. A broken clock is yeah, right got twice a day. <laughs> right? Isn't that the saying? I don't know. But yeah, I thought this was a great example of when they actually went with one of the alts and didn't use the one that was in the shooting draft. Well, I really like the detail of seeing Dwight guessing prices in the background of Kevin's talking uh-huh. head. And I went to the script and I noticed that that was not scripted. That was a directing choice by Dave Rogers. And I absolutely loved it. It really added to the realism of the moment for yeah. me. You know, my husband is very, very good at guessing prices of things. Like he would kill it on The prices, Right? He would kill it. I went on The prices, Right. I didn't make it up on the stage, but when I first moved to L.A. You were in the audience? Yeah. I oh. waited in line for hours with two of my friends. I got the little price tag with my name uh-huh, on it. Uh-huh. It said Regina because that's my legal name. They have to put your legal name on your uh-huh. price tag. And so I sat in the audience, and I did my best to, like, wave and try to get up on stage. How? I really wanted to be on. I wanted to win money to, like, pay for my apartment. Well, yeah. Because I just moved here. But you probably just would have won, like, a jet ski. <laughs> I know. And then you're like, what do I do with two jet skis? Well, poor Pam knows the <laughs> fate of having two jet skis in her life that she doesn't want. But, you know, those things I heard that if you win, like, an actual prize, like a washer-dryer or jet ski or something, before you can get your prize, you have to pay the taxes. So if you win two jet skis that are worth, like, $7,000, first you have to pay the taxes before you get your jet skis. So you get, like, a bill. Yeah, but I think you can also, I can believe— Can you just say, can I just have the cash value? I think you can, and then they deduct the taxes out of the cash value. I wonder how many people do that, and then now my brain is going to, like, is there a giant warehouse of, like, rejected jet skis and washer and dryers? That's a good question. Like, what do they do with the floor models <laughs> yeah. of the things? But also, they don't send you the thing that was in the actual episode, right? Don't they just send you something, like, direct? How do they get it to you? Oh, my God. I have so many questions. So many questions about how game shows work. This is why you just want to go on Press Your Luck and win the big bucks, right? There's no item you have to deal with. I wonder if you have to pay for shipment. So I won two jet skis. Now I got to pay for them to be delivered to my house where I have no place to store them? What do you do if you win one of the goats? Goats? Yeah, remember on um, an Let's Make a Deal. Remember Let's Make a Deal? Sometimes behind door number two, it would just be like a goat. Oh, that doesn't seem fair to the animal. Yeah, I mean, does anyone take the goat? What's the cash value of a goat? I don't think I've ever seen that show. Let's Make a Deal? Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, you win something and then you can trade it for whatever is behind door number one, two, or three. But it's like a blind pick. And can you so, not trade if you don't want to trade? Yeah, you don't have okay. to trade. You can just keep the thing you want. So but like, usually something better is behind one of the doors. Okay. Like door number one will have, you know, like a new washing machine or like new kitchen appliances. Door number two will be like an all-expense-paid vacation to the Bahamas. And then door number three is a goat. 
you know? And you can pick it. You can say, I'm going to pick door number one. And then they say, are you sure you want door number one? Or do you want to trade? Like, it's a psychological torture. Yeah, it sounds horrible. Yeah. And And then you got a poor goat in a door. You don't hear it? You don't hear the goat? (laughs) That's a good question. I never thought about it, if you can hear the goat. Or smell it. Okay, well, we clearly do not produce game shows. Because if we did, <laughs> maybe for good reason. They would be very mismanaged. We'd get very hung up on the smallest details. <laughs> I hope someone's hung up on the details. Where are we? I don't know. Oh, Andy is holding court with Aaron, Pam, Jim, and Ryan, and he's started. Oh, dear. Talking about his... Rock opera? Yes, that he's been writing. I'm sorry that he's been receiving. Yes. He's been receiving the rock opera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This cuts to Ryan, and it really made me laugh because he immediately goes, Andy's having a breakdown. Oh, yeah. Oscar now has a storyline that is so funny. I just was so tickled by Oscar Nunez's performance of this, like Mm -hmm. his joy. He's just giddy because he's chatting with the senator Telling him that he loves animals. His dog, Gerald, is his whole life. Mm-hmm. And the senator gives him his cell phone number. Tells him, you know what? The best time to call me is after 9 p.m. You know Angela goes to bed at like 8.30. You know she does. We got a letter about that, Angela, from Justine R. in Naples, Italy, who said, In season five, episode one, Angela tells us, quote, I have a nice comforter, a few cozy pillows. I usually read a chapter of a book and it's lights out by 830. Yes. And that's how I sleep at night. That's right. So it's true. By 9 p.m., she is asleep. And the senator is free to chat with Oscar. Mm -hmm. Oscar has a talking head where he says three things are now confirmed. He's right about the senator. He's still got it. Mm -hmm. And oh, poor Angela. Yeah. Now Andy is going to pitch his rock opera to Robert California. You mean Bobby? Bobbo. <laughs> oh, no. The rock opera is very convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an evil figure named Thomas Oregon mm-hmm. who wants to destroy all the guitars in the world. Yeah. The hero of the story, we don't find out his name, is based on Andy. Mm-hmm. And Andy's going to sing us a few lines of the hero's I guess, ballad. Yeah, it goes something like this. We're flying so high. We're cracking the sky. Going to fly out of this dome, my girlfriend and I. Meredith is like, hey, jabroni, show some class. Yeah, Stanley also agrees he's a jabroni. What is a jabroni? I had to know. I'd never heard this term. Did you Google? Of course I Googled it. I Googled too. I mean, well, let's both share about it. All right, what'd you find? I found on ESPN.com in 2020 that jabroni is officially in the dictionary. They added 650 new words in 2020, and jabroni was one, which, of course, led me to what is the origin and meaning of jabroni. Yeah, I guess jabroni means a foolish or contemptible person, and it has its origins in the Italian language. Well, I had never heard this term before, Angela, but I guess The Rock made it famous Mm -hmm. in the wrestling world. That's how it ended up in the dictionary was because he brought it into the popular vernacular. I have an audio clip if you'd like to hear The Rock throwing out some jabronis. Let's hear it. And then one of you jabronis pulls the handles, and there it is. One Brahma Bull, two Brahma Bulls, three Brahma Bulls. You jabronis hit the jackpot. 
and then all of a sudden you're jumping around like a bunch of idiots Undertaker with his Mickey Mouse tattoos and his 33 pound head (laughs) so this word caught fire in the wrestling community and I guess it caused a little bit of a stir though Angela because apparently the Iron Sheik was the first person to use this word and he would say this a bunch backstage Mm -hmm. but when The Rock came out with it It became super popular, so The Rock did actually give credit to the Iron Sheik for being the person who put it in his ear. Yes, I read that The Rock said, talking about the Iron Sheik, his impact on my career has been really profound, and the word jabroni is connected to me, but when a lot of people think, oh, jabroni, yeah, 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 it's The Rock's word. No, 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 it's not my word. It's the Iron Sheik's word. Classy. Classy. Credit where credit is due. That's right. You know what? I mean, just from that clip, I feel like wrestling is so much yelling. (laughs) It is a lot of yelling. A lot of yelling. Like, you got to be your own hype man. Oh, yeah. That's a big part of it. Wow. Okay. Well, Meredith knew what a jabroni was. So did Stanley. And they tell Andy to stop being one. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Andy accuses Stanley of being a Thomas Oregon. And Robert says, Andrew, I think this might have been a bad idea. Yeah. Why don't you let me pay for you and Aaron to go out to a great romantic dinner tonight? Andy's like, you don't need to pay for me. I'm doing just fine. Why don't you quit harshing our mellow? Oh, Andy. Yeah. Robert asks him to leave. But instead, Andy is going to call over a waiter and he says, I'd like to purchase another seat at this fundraiser. The waiter's like, I'm sorry, we only sell seats by the table. So Andy says, I'll purchase a table. A whole table. That's expensive. Expensive. But then as the episode continues, not only did he buy a whole table, but like he wants to have all the salad served. Like Andy, come on. He's sitting there all by himself. I've got some deets on our waiter guest star. He was played by Christian S. Anderson. He's also appeared on Key and Peele, Castle, and Will and Grace. Nice. You know, when you see Andy sitting at the table and he's getting the pepper, you know, on his salad, mm-hmm. you really get a great shot of those beautiful yellow flower arrangements in the center. The daffodils. The daffodils. Mm-hmm. Lady, in my digital clutter, I emailed you that I got to take one of the arrangements home. You did? Yes. Well, you know, there's a whole deleted storyline about Pam and Phyllis fighting over who gets to take a centerpiece home. It was a whole runner that got cut out of the episode. <laughs> That's so great. That's hilarious to me. Yeah. So I guess when we wrapped out, uh huh, Phil had all these extra flowers, and he gave them to anyone who wanted them, and I took them home. Well, you know, I got curious about those daffodils because I thought they were so beautiful, and I remembered that storyline with Phyllis. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know how much money did they spend on those daffodil centerpieces because they are by far the most elaborate flowers I've ever seen in an episode of the show. Yeah. According to the internet, 100 daffodils costs about $150. I freeze-framed on one of the arrangements. Did you count the daffodils? At least 40 in each one. Can your autobiography be called (laughs) Counting the Daffodils? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it can. Yeah, that sums me up. It really does. So I'm thinking... That with at least 40 daffodils, plus the basket, plus the labor, plus the markup on flowers, I think each one of these cost at least 100 bucks. And there were so many. We spent so much on flowers. I should have asked Steve Burgess what our flower budget was. But I'm telling you, you got a nice arrangement, Angela. I did. And I'm telling you, you would have kicked ass. 
on The Price is Right. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. If only they'd called on me. I know. Oscar is now going to return to his seat. He's so delighted. He cannot wait to tell them the senator is hitting on him. Mm -hmm. Jim's like, you know what, Oscar? Okay, you know, I think you're misinterpreting this. Oscar's like, no, no, no. He gave me the look. And then he does the look. And Pam's like, whoa. Oh, my gosh. And Jim's like, come on. And Pam's like, twice? He did that twice? And then Jim goes, okay, guys, not every glance means something, all right? Life isn't Downton Abbey. And Pam goes, life is Downton Abbey. It did make me look up some of the best quotes of the Dowager Countess, a.k.a. Lady Violet Crawley. Okay. I found a website that said you can take Lady Violet Crawley's quotes and use them in business. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Okay, here's one. There's nothing simpler than avoiding people you don't like. Avoiding one's friends, that's the real test. (laughs) Every woman goes down the aisle with half the story hidden. Oh. Mm. It's the job of grandmothers to interfere. Mm. You are a woman with a brain and reasonable ability. Stop whining and find something to do. Hmm. Business mantras from the Dowager Countess. I don't see them necessarily as business mantras, but they do seem like a nice guide for introverts. (laughs) (laughs) I had a little catch in this episode, and you can really see it in this scene with Oscar and Jim and Pam, which is that I'm wearing the tennis bracelet that Jim gave Pam for Christmas. And I loved this detail. Phil Shea got it out. For this episode, he kept all of my jewelry in a little box. And whenever there was a fancy event, Pam would wear her tennis bracelet. I love it. It's Phil Shea, man, painting the picture. Mm-hmm. Well, we should take a break because when we come back, Jim is now going to go up to the senator to see if he gets his cell phone number, too. That's right. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can use Squarespace to create a website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to time, all in one place. Well, we've told you before that we use Squarespace for our Office Ladies website, and It is so user-friendly, so easy to use. We are not tech people, and we could not be happier with our experience. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash officeladies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, we all carry around different stressors. Some are big, some are small. I know I keep mine kind of bottled up. And it can start to affect us. Well, therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You can finally get a chance to talk about all those stressors. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OfficeLadies today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OfficeLadies. 
right, we are back, and Dwight is hard at work. He's guessing the price of all the auction items. He says this is like taking candy from a baby. Mm-hmm. I have a really fun catch in this scene. I love a fun catch. What do you got? Did you notice the family photo Yeah. on the auction table? Like, I think probably it's for, like, a family photo session with a photographer yeah, or something. Yeah, I saw that. That's what I thought. I thought it's like, oh, you get, like, a Sears photo package. Yes. I am pretty certain that the person in the photo is our on-set dresser, Sean Farrell, and I think that's his family. Oh, Isn't cute. that fun? Yes. So cute. Well, now Andy is going to bump into David Wallace, and he's going to share with him that he got fired. Mm-hmm. And David's like, that's the best thing that happened to me, yeah. is getting fired. Mm-hmm. He poured himself into his suck-it vacuum, and guess what? The military bought it for, for $20, $20 million. million. Dollars. And then David Wallace is like, you know what, Andy? You got to move on. You got to forget about Dunder Mifflin. And that's where the scene ended. But there was more. Oh, good, because we got a fan mail flurry about this scene. Oh, okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Jason T. from Houston, Texas says, It seems odd that David Wallace appears without others noticing him. It's not like the banquet room is packed. Did some other things happen off camera? I mean, you'd assume Jim would spend some time catching up with David Wallace. And Teresa B. from New Jersey said, Are there deleted scenes that help explain David Wallace's presence? Hoping Angela can come through. Well, Teresa, Jason, I have a little something here that might explain it. So the scene was scripted that Andy is actually exiting the restroom when he bumps into David Wallace. And the whole top of the scene is the same. But then David at the end says, point is, forget those guys, move on. And then Andy would have said, move on. I'm parting with them tonight. David says, really? Wow. Okay. That sounds very awkward to me. I don't think I would have come if I knew Dunder Mifflin was coming. Mm. Then there's a beat, and he goes, hey, but you know what? Make sure you tell everyone I sold Suck It for a ton of money, okay? See ya. And then he walks away. So it sounds like, to me, he doesn't want to see the Dunder Mifflin crew. He wouldn't have even come if he knew they were going to be there. How does he not know they're going to be there? Isn't it, like, common knowledge that Angela is the senator's wife? And also, I have to agree with Jason from Houston, this is not a large room. I mean, yeah, I can see everybody clearly. Yeah. Where is David sitting? What about all of the hobnobbing that happened maybe pre-dinner or at the auction tables? There's so much hobnobbing at these things. Yes, there is. <laughs> I know. Well, I think of the Dunder Mifflin crew, he would have said hi to Jim. Yes, and while it might have been scripted that this scene takes place outside of a restroom, that was definitely not clear to me. Mm -hmm. It looks like he's just right in the ballroom. Yeah. Well, I found it interesting in the script that David wouldn't have come if he knew the Dunder Mifflin crew was there. What's his beef with the Dunder Mifflin crew? He's moved on. Okay. He's moved on. Well, now Nellie is going to try to bond with Daryl. She's complaining about the food, said she'd give anything for just a burger or pizza pie or whatever else they like. Daryl suggests tacos. And it is so clear that Nellie has no idea what a taco is. Yeah. She has a talking head where she says she's never had a taco. She's hoping that they're not slimy and don't have eyes. I would like to say that Nellie pining away for different food really tracks if you look at everybody's plate. Mm -hmm. I only saw myself eating at the table, 
And I think I had requested a plate of vegetables, but you'll notice that Jim's fish goes untouched the entire episode. So, yeah. Yeah. I could see how maybe Nellie wanted something else. I will tell you what's pretty gross is if you do like a 12-hour scene and you have like a meatloaf or something on a plate in front of you that you have to push around for 12 hours and pretend to eat. I couldn't believe that I don't have memories of the fish that was on John's plate for all those scenes with me and John and Oscar. Because it's just sitting there the whole time. It never changes. Speaking of our table, Jim is going to return to the table. And guess what? He got the senator's cell phone number, too. Yeah, he did. How about that, Oscar? Mm -hmm. Well, Oscar and Pam say Jim hasn't proven anything. All he's proven is that maybe the senator thinks Jim is gay. Then they make fun of Jim's shoes. They say no gay man would wear those shoes. Yeah. Jim's like, you bought me these shoes. (laughs) Like, why are you... Why are you making Why are fun you of my shoes? my shoes that you bought me? It was very funny. Robert California is now going to take to the podium. He's going to speak about saving elderly dogs, who he calls heroes. Fan catch from Timothy B. in Germany. Background catch. When the senator is introducing Robert California, you can see Angela mouth along the words. Yes, that was a choice I made. I improvised that. I just figured she would know his whole introduction. There's actually more in deleted scenes where he gets up and speaks, and every time he does, the camera would find me, and I would be saying all of his lines with him. I like that choice. That tracks. Thank you. We had a fan question from Megan W. in Massachusetts who wanted to know, Angela, were there any deleted scenes or talking head alts during which Angela comments about this fundraiser being for dogs and not cats? I was surprised Angela's talking head about the fundraiser didn't include any snide remark. (laughs) Um, All we see is the side look that she gives to the dog during Robert California's speech. Megan, that's such a good question. You know, I think she was so pleased to be part of a fundraiser event with her politician husband. And even though maybe it wasn't for anything she truly cares about, she still gets to be up front and center, right? So that's why I think there's no snarky comment in the talking head. But there's only one mention of Angela Martin's attitude towards the event in the shooting draft, and it happens when the senator is introduced. In the script, it said, Robert California says, why do we love dogs? And then there's this stage direction, angle on Angela, not buying the premise. (laughs) And I remember, like, when I read that, I was like, how do I convey that? And then I just, there was a dog right next to me. So I thought, oh, I'll look at it. I'll roll my eyes. I'll be grossed out. The true Angela does bleed through. just for a little moment. moment. Mm -hmm. Andy is going to interrupt Robert California's speech. And he is going to volunteer to take all of the elderly dogs home with him and, I guess, adopt them. All of them. Yes. It's so many dogs. Well, now we're going to see Andy. He's with the animal welfare volunteer who's walking him through the different various needs of these dogs. They all have special needs. Mm-hmm. One of the dogs, Kenny, is a therapy dog, and he's really bonding with Andy. And the animal welfare volunteer says, you know what? He must think you're in the midst of an emotional crisis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our animal welfare volunteer was played by Andrew Segunda. 
He was a writer on Late Night with Conan O'Brien and the Goldbergs. He also played Dr. Ewing in The League, and he co-hosts a Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast called Star Trek The Next Conversation. Oh. I'll also have you know we did not shoot these scenes at the hotel. Haley, who asked us about locations, this room was a set that we built on the warehouse stages. And we also got a fan question from Katie Jo B. in Indiana and Nicole L. from Canada who said, Please tell us everything about the senior dogs. Are they from the normal animal training rental company? Were all the dogs actors? Or were any of them actual rescues at the time? Well, guys, all the dogs came through. Bob Dunn. Not really a surprise there. They were not rescues. They were working dogs. We had three trainers to take care of the six dogs. They worked for two days, one day on this little set that we built and one day at the Marriott. And the total cost for the dogs and trainers was about $6,000. I also asked Steve Burgess if he had the doggy headshots for each of our dog actors. Mm -hmm. And he did. Bella was played by Scout. And the other dog actors were Lucy, Monkey, Langley, Bullet, and Duke. I will put their headshots in stories. Steve said when they talked to the animal trainers about what each dog would have to do, these were the dogs that they recommended for those roles. I see. I love that. Mm -hmm. They were cast they based had, on their abilities. Yes, they had their specialties. Oh, dear. Guess what's going to happen now? The senator is going to give Meredith his cell phone number. Well, that blows Oscar's theory. That's right. Mm -hmm. Jim still hasn't eaten his fish. I tracked it. Oscar is now going to have a talking head where he says he's not disappointed that Angela's husband wasn't hitting on him. He'd have to be a monster to root for that. A lonely, aging monster. Mm, poor Oscar. Daryl returns with tacos, and Nellie doesn't know how to eat one. It's like she's, I don't know, scooping the ingredients into her mouth from the shell. She's not biting into the shell. We got a fan question from Jen G. in Kentucky who said, I am a theater professor, and I specialize in women in comedy and improv, and this episode has one of my favorite bits of physical clowning in the entire series, and it is when Nellie tries to eat a taco. <laughs> <laughs> I desperately need to know how she came to this bit, to what degree it was scripted, and to what degree it emerged from the magical mists of Catherine Tate's fabulous mind. Well, Jen, this taco eating was scripted. Here's what it said, quote, Nellie picks up the taco, unsure how to eat it, then puts it to her mouth sideways with her finger pushes the filling down her throat. And then this little bit got cut. It said, Nellie holds the empty shell and looks around and says, savory, is there a plate for the shells? <laughs> so this was a combo platter of scripting and also, though, of course, Catherine Tate's interpretation of what was scripted. Yeah. Well, her attempt at trying to eat a taco, it, it tugs on Daryl's heartstrings. He's starting to soften. He has a talking head, and he says she's trying. Yeah. It's time now to announce the auction winners. Guess what, guys? Dwight wins the first item, and the second, and the third. Well, you know what? Guess what? He's won them all. Yes, the MC says, I'm going to save us some time, mm -hmm. and just announced that Dwight Schrute won everything, and they are so grateful for his donation of over $34,000. It's the largest they've ever received. Thus begins a standing ovation started by Jim. Oh, yeah. It was scripted that Jim would start the ovation and yell speech, but I personally love John's choice of also being the last person standing and clapping. Yeah. 
oh, I feel like I should let you know our MC guest star was played by Elizabeth Payne, who was our writer Halstead Sullivan's high school prom date. Aw. Halstead said he had nothing to do with her casting. She's a working actor. He didn't even know that she got cast on the show and was in this episode until they screened this episode for the writers. Come on. Yeah, he said, you know, if you weren't the writer of the episode, you stayed in the writer's room most That's of true. the time. Yeah. So, yeah. He said uh, Elizabeth is also a successful voice actress. She voiced the pre-crime voice in the Minority Report. <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you watched the first season of Ugly Betty, she played the mysterious masked woman on the show. I guess there was a woman on the show who had plastic surgery to change her identity and no one knew who she was. And when she was finally unmasked, she was played by Rebecca Romaine. But before that, it was Elizabeth Payne. Hmm. Well, now Dwight's going to go up and make his speech. Everyone's chanting, speech, speech. He says he's really proud to support whatever this is and that money is no concern to him. But when did it all become about money? He's trying to get out of it. Yes. He says, what did we spend on the flower arrangements, the white wine spritzers? How many courses did they have tonight? Three, if they chose pudding. And they should be ashamed of themselves. What a waste. They're here for the dog society, and that's what's important. That is his donation. Good night. And he runs out of the room. Do you think he ever paid the money? No. You don't think? I don't think. I think the whole event was like a debacle. As the evening starts to wrap up, Oscar's going to say goodnight to the senator. And the senator says, don't forget to call. And then he lets his hand linger down his Oscar's arm. He brings his hand from the shoulder to the wrist with a series of little squeezes, suggestive squeezes. That was all scripted. Oscar. That he would run his hand down Oscar's arm. Well, Oscar has a talking head where he's like, I still got it, basically. And oh my God, I feel so bad for Angela. Why does this always happen to me? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Andy is now learning to put a diaper on one of the new dogs. And that's when Jim and Pam and Kevin and Aaron come in to check on him. And he's like, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We got a fan mail flurry about this scene. Ainsley said it was maybe our biggest fan mail flurry yet. You're kidding. The, the whole time? of the whole series that we've been rewatching. Please tell me what it was. At the end of the fundraiser, when we see all the dogs that Andy has adopted, you can see Andy and April's three-legged dog champion from Parks and Rec. Oh, wow. Yeah. So people noticed that we used the same dog as champion in Parks and Rec. Famous dog spotting, basically. Fan mail flurry. Kevin is going to try to be the voice of reason again in this scene. Yeah. And no one's really listening. Kevin has a talking head where he says, sometimes he thinks the people he works with are idiots. Sometimes meaning all times. All the times. Every of the time. hmm In our tag for this episode, we're going to learn that the dogs have been, I guess, divided up between mm-hmm. different folks at Dunder Mifflin. Daryl has Pepper. Kevin has Ruby. So Aaron and Andy didn't end up with all 12 dogs. But they probably have a couple. They have more than one, for sure. Because you know Angela didn't take one. Well, Pam and Jim didn't clearly take one. We learned the most about Kevin's dog, Ruby. He says she's a good girl. She doesn't eat or poop. She just lays there. It's very clear that everyone thinks maybe she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
He says she smells really bad, but he's afraid that if he puts her in a bath, she'll drown because, you know, even to watch TV, he has to prop her eyes open. And then there's a very cute scene with Kevin and Ruby. They're laying on the floor together. He tells her that everyone is so interested in her and they must be jealous. And she just starts licking him. And it's so cute. Mm -hmm. And she's not dead. She's not dead. She just likes to nap and doesn't like to bathe. Or eat or poop. Yeah. We had a fan question from Brendan W. in Indianapolis, Indiana, who said regarding the ending scene about Kevin's dog, Ruby, we're led to believe that his dog is dead, but he just doesn't realize it. Was it originally intended to end that way? where Ruby is truly dead, or was it always the writer's intent for the dog to actually be alive? Well, Brendan, it was always the intent that she was actually alive. Yes. I did wonder myself in that final scene with Kevin if maybe the dog started licking his face, like, and we kept it, but it was supposed to end with him just talking to this comatose (laughs) dog. Yeah. But no. That was a whole little trick that they taught the dog to kiss his face on that certain word. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I know. So, yeah, scripted and achieved. Dog actors. They're very important to a scene. Mm -hmm. Well, there you have it, folks. That's Fundraiser. Thank you so much for listening and sending in your questions and comments. Thank you to Steve Burgess and Halstead Sullivan for sharing with us such fun behind-the-scenes details. And thank you for all your questions. Some great fan catches in this episode. Really good ones. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our senior producer is Cassie Jerkins. Our in-studio engineer is Sam Kiefer. Our editing and mixing engineer is Jordan Duffy. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico. Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. 